Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Mario Mario to my Luigi Mario. It's Kevin Garver. Kevin, how you doing? Yeah, normally I would prefer to be <laughs> Luigi, but I am shorter than you, so I'm accepting this. And, and, you, and you have red hair, which I felt like made you a, a more of a Mario. Even though, I don't know why Mario would have red hair, he just wears a red suit. If you got this fire is flower. The, this is the in-depth... <laughs> This is the anal- analysis that you can expect put, from the Seahawks. Put podcast. a lot of thought into this, you guys. Uh, and joined, as always, by our King Koopa. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? It's great. I'm glad I gave you this awful idea. This is my contribution. Good night. <laughs> so we're back again. Could have been Wendy Koopa. It could have been worse. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's start with this. We we got a little light Seahawks news week. Uh, Thomas Rawl signed with the Lions. Corner uh, Justin Coleman signed a second round tender, and uh, that's about. Well, oh, I'm sorry. Who did the, you say signed with the Lions? Thomas Rawls. He signed with the Jets. Oh, even worse. Okay. Yep. So that that <laughs> I couldn't find a franchise. I thought I, in my head I was just thinking franchise that J-E-T-S, is bad all the time. Lions, Lions, Lions. say what you want about Katy Perry. At least she got a lion into the Super Bowl. Remember that? Remember halftime performance, guys? Okay. So. John Schneider, this is my biggest Seahawks news story of the week. You ready? He told the fans to trust the process. So let's talk about the process. Eric, right now, how do you feel about the offseason process that the Seahawks are going through? Okay, offseason process or the process in general? They're like what, like what we're, the way the team is going, like what, how do you feel right now I, as a fan of the C- Seattle Seahawks football franchise? I'm, I'm a fan. I do trust the process. I do not believe that we're going to be very good this year. Partly because we've lost a lot of talent on the defense. I don't really know what our offense is going to look like. And I'm sorry, but our division is... It's it's daggers right now. And until I see otherwise, I'm putting my faith in those other teams that they're going to win. Now, I do trust the process, like the overall rebuilding. It will happen sooner rather than later. I'm excited for next season. But no, this season, I'm still not a believer that we're going to do more than like nine wins. All right, Kevin, how do you feel about the process? Do you trust the process? It sounds like Eric only he, he mildly trusts the process. I He's, trust the, the overall process. You're su- but you, sound, you sound suspicious of the process. Suspicious Eric of making the playoffs this year. believes the process, but he doesn't trust the process. He, he hears what the process is saying. He understands the process. I'll tell you this. Do you really trust you know the what process, it is? Eric? When Christopher Nolan cast Heath Ledger as the Joker, I was like, this seems really weird, but I'm just going to trust the man because he made Batman Begins and it was really good. Now it all worked out for Heath Ledger. This is a well, great comparison. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. As far as movies go, if we have a Dark Knight version of of the season, I'm totally fine with that. That'd be Super Bowl. It'd be great. I don't think that's going to happen. Eric Ronnebeck, not the analysis that we deserve, but the analysis that we need. Fingerprints. I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what, how do you feel about the process the Seahawks have gone through so far this offseason? I think it's the smart move. Um, the Rams are loading up. They have a two-year window, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. No, let's and, talk, talk about yeah. it now. Like, you think that their window is actually two years? I would say it's closer to one. So I they, would say they're, they're jamming it in for like, hey. So they dealt for Brandon Cooks, right? Yeah. Um, so that gives them, in the next two years, Gurley, Sue, Peters, Tlaib, Cooks, Whitworth, Brockers, and Joyner all have ending contracts. And yeah, but a lot of those guys are done after next year. And then yep. they have to pay Gurley next year. Yeah. So so they're going to lose like $20 million. Not $20 million. They're going to lose like $14 million in cap space. They're still going to be pretty good next year, but they're loading up for this year for sure. Uh, okay, I have a question for you. In today's NFL, with so much variance, injuries can happen. Uh, teams swing all the time. There are teams that surprise you every year, right? Why would... Like, look at the Eagles from last year. No one was picking the Eagles to make the Super Bowl. Some people thought the Eagles would be decent. Like, I think Kevin was the highest of us on the Eagles. He had them at, like, 9-7. and seven. I had them at 6-10. and 10. Like, people were like, yeah, the Eagles are okay. All of a sudden, they're the best team in football. Surprises happen all the time. Why would you – what makes you think that the Seahawks are kicking the can one year down the road? Like, Well, no, what I'm saying is that the rebuild was necessary – or the retooling was necessary. It was going to have to happen sometime in the next two years. So what I was, where I was going with this was, I think that the, I trust the process because the smart thing to do was tear down now, so you could start the rebuild a little earlier. Because we're still going to be kind of hoping to catch lightning in a bottle if we want to rocket past the Rams or have the Rams pull an Eagles dream team type season. 
So one of those things has to happen if we're going to like propel past them. So what we're really trying to do is we're trying to make sure that we are keeping ahead of the 49ers who are on a little bit more of a normal trajectory, which means if we take a slight step back this season, retool, get ourselves in order, fix our cap situation, figure out our team, then for 2019, we should be projected ahead of the Rams. And for 2020 and beyond, you know, the Rams are a giant question mark. We don't know what we're looking at there. So I think it made a lot more sense to tear down now than to wait and have an even more aged defense and be another year behind the curve trying to do the rebuild. One thing I think that I want to make clear, though, is I don't really feel like we tore down so much as we we filled in with players that are not um, marquee talents for the future. Instead of signing a guy that we're going to say you're the guy for the next five years instead of what the seahawks decided to do is they decided to say no we're going to sign a guy that he's here for one year and he's filling in that spot and if he if it pans out it pans out and if it doesn't we're done we we only signed a one-year contract they're not committing to anything and i think that's the biggest difference between what we did and what a lot a lot of teams gave out a lot of guaranteed money this offseason a ton um so we, really quickly, I want to point out, though, if you're shedding starters, I think it can be considered a bit of a teardown. Now, you could argue that what we're putting in place is not a large downgrade, but when you're losing multiple starters, we lost three starters. Sherman, I mean, if you count Bennett, but I don't think the team's counting on we have Paul Richardson, Richard, but even free Paul Richardson, Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham, Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. I would count Michael Bennett in that. And then Michael Mike, Bennett, I think you have to count. And I think last year we would have counted him. But, I mean, we're, they're saying, like, Deion Jordan. They, I think that that's, like, a vote of confidence for Deion Jordan, not like a... Well, I agree. I think that uh, Deion Jordan stepping in makes a ton of sense. I still feel really good about our defensive line. Um, I thought the Barcavius Mingo signing was really smart, really good by low. Um, I think that picking up uh, uh, Bradley McDougald was a, was a great under-the-radar signing. Um, I, mean, I, I think we have questions, though, at our number two wide receiver spot. I think we have continuing questions on our offensive line, and I think which is inevitable. And I think that we have uh, questions at, cor- at outside corner. And so, like Jokel to Flukers, at, be- at worst, a wash. I agree. Uh, I, no, I don't think our offensive line. I think our offensive line is going to get better. I want to make that very clear. I think the bigger problems are the fact that, like, if this season's going to be the best version of the season, Cam Chancellor has to be healthy, which doesn't – I don't see there's any chance. I think that's why we have Bradley McDougall. And big people on our defense need to step up, meaning, like, we need big performances. And I, I think, like, Barcavius Mingo can give us a great season, but it's not going to be, like, a career-altering season. I think we need Bobby, KJ, and Earl to have the same season this year that they had last year because – all three of them were lights out, especially Bobby and KK. You still need that. You need that wild card, though. Like, we don't, like, who's going to be Sheldon Richardson? Who's going to step up and do that? Who's going to transform this team and propel them Are to 12 13 wins? Are you going to bet against wins? Naz Jones and Jaron Reed? Yeah, like, Malik Because I will not bet against them. <laughs> Malik McDowell, dude, he's still on the team. Don't, don't, never forget. Bet against I, them, no, Kevin, but I'm not counting on him to do that either. That's, that's asking a lot. I think that's, that's the whole thing. Um, you know, people want to bring up the uh, comparison, and I think it's smart. You know, we didn't think Marshawn Lynch was going to be Marshawn Lynch when he rolled into town, coming off of a disappointing start to his career in Buffalo. I was in Buffalo. That's why. Uh, you know, they have a Dave and Buster's up. That's kind um, <laughs> They had a Fred, always they had Fred Jackson, Busters. like, in his prime. That he, was they did. really what held his numbers back. And if you think about Shaquille Griffin and the trajectory of his career, it makes a lot of sense based on what Richard Sherman did. So then what we're really looking for is the next Byron Maxwell, because Byron Maxwell stepped up and kind of took over Browner's spot. And that was after Sherman had established himself. So what you want for yourself is like 2013, 2014. Like if you have like 2014 um, Byron Maxwell, which is somebody that we could pick up in this draft. Like I think there's a lot of things to look forward to. I don't think that we're a talentless team. I think that we've been really trying to bang that drum hard. You want to be realistic. You know, this team's probably going to go between 8 and 8 and 10 and 6. But if we didn't get rid of all those players, if we still had Jimmy Graham, if we still had Richard Sherman, if we still had uh, Sheldon Richardson, if we still had Paul Richardson, I'd be saying, oh, cool, we're going to go between, we're going to like 10 and 6, 11 and 5. So I don't think that the window changed that much for this team for next season. That's, that's but my, I think it looks better going forward. That's my main thing is that the team's not 
the team's fortunes are not that different than if we brought everyone back. That's like I think you kind of nailed it right there. Is that that the especially t- the because team Graham is, was a poor fit? He didn't team, make sense. The team, I think, if we brought everyone back, we had the exact same. If we ran back last year's roster, I wouldn't be that much more. I'd be like, oh yeah, we're still probably behind the Rams, and we're going to be competing with the 49ers for that five six spot. Like that's where we're we're at. We'd be at no matter what. So why not get? Why not shed the cap space, free it, free it up. Fill, fill in with some talented stopgap veterans and like make a real run of it. That's where I feel like the Seahawks are at. That's I like the process. Is that this team? This team is going to be a borderline playoff team, and that's a good spot to be in when you're freeing up ninety million in cap room for next year. I think that there's a really legitimate chance in five years we're going to look back at the Pete Carroll John Schneider era and go, man, since 2010 we missed the playoffs twice maybe three times and we were 500 or better basically every season and i think that what we're doing is we're doing a quick retool that doesn't take us out of contention this will not be a miserable football season to watch and what we're going to see is we're going to see that window open back up this retooling we pick the right players to continue building around it's the players we've talked about all along you can build around russ you can build around uh, Doug, Bobby, Doug, and Earl. Those are players you can build the franchise around. I want to think Earl. I mean, let's face it. This might be Earl's last year if he makes it to the roster on opening or day. Or he might be happy with all the malcontents out. It could. That be. could very easily happen. I, he that dude. That dude lives with his heart on his sleeve. And I don't want to say like addition by subtraction, but we talked on this podcast last year about Richard Sherman. You know, he's a distraction in some ways. Michael Bennett, whether you agree with him or not, distraction in some ways. Um, especially now that he, you know, he was, uh, he had a warrant out for his arrest. We dodged that bullet. I guess I want to throw this question to you guys. Do you think, as Kevin said, we kind of missed, you know, letting all our old players just kind of die on the team and suck for many years. Are you, are you happy we're doing this now? Or do you think maybe we should have done it sooner? No, this is the right time. The, the only, there's only one contract on the whole roster. I think is a really bad contract at this point. Thanks, Cam. And I mean, it's not nothing they can do about it. It's Cam Chancellor's health didn't hold up, you know. So, it's not. It's bad luck. It's not. There's nothing they did wrong. So yeah, I, I think this is fine. The timing is right. They they pick in their they're picking their spot. Um, how about this? Is Perms trusting the process? Do you think there's any chance that the Seahawks draft at 18, like in the first round? Do we take our first round pick? So before I say that, I want to kind of dip into a couple other things that I trust about it, and I want to bring out some numbers that have been getting tossed around this week a little bit. Um, so, uh, Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin are the number one deep passing duo, uh, in the PFF statistical era. I think that's something that we have to keep in mind. And if we return to a more power run type offense, I think that enables that offensive combination to continue to flourish instead of continuing to try and force the ball to Jimmy Graham in creative ways. So I think that that opens up the offense in a different way. Like, the addition by subtraction is kind of all over. There's some really smart things. Uh, Justin Coleman was a really strong nickel corner. Uh, nickel corners, it's been, it's starting to show over the last few years, um, where nickel corners don't have the same value as outside cornerbacks. The interesting thing is that outside cornerbacks from one year to the next can have kind of high variance. And it makes sense because a few big plays and a few touchdowns really changes the passer rating against you. It really changes your effectiveness. Nickel corners are pretty stable. If you have a good nickel corner and they can prove that they can handle the position, that's a guy that's going to add the same level of value every year. Like, there's some really smart expenditures of finance right now that is part of the reason why I trust the process. Now, to answer your question, uh, number 18, uh, if Josh Jackson, the corner out of uh, um, Iowa, is sitting there, maybe we take him. If there's a really impressive defensive lineman that fell, I think it depends. If somebody st- fell, if a, if the if the team believes a top twelve talent is sitting there at eighteen, I think they pick him. But if not, I think they trade back and stack assets. Because that's the second most interesting Seahawks news related item that came out was that um, a national level writer said that since the combine, he's been hearing that the Seahawks will trade or the the Browns will trade out of eighteen. To or to, to into eighteen with their to one of their they have thirty two and thirty three, 
and then they have um, no, no, sorry, thirty three and thirty four, and then they have pick number sixty something. Seven, I think. Which, if you combine either one of those second round picks with sixty seven, that adds up to about eighteen. So um, that's been a pretty popular. Rumor. If that trade's actually on the table, I would be super into that. If we could get like a two and a three, or like a two, three and a six, or something like that, hands down, I take I, that value. I would love that. I if. If we can get a two and a three, I, that's what the Seahawks are going to do. I don't know if that's possible. If it all comes down to uh, my friend Kevin, the draft wizard, to tell us is someone else clamoring for that that top talent at eighteen? Well, I think Nate just hit the nail on the head. Uh, the Browns need starters. They need blue chippers. They can't. You can't. You can't stack up red chippers, right? You need to get. You need they to already get some, have a big stack of red chips. Yeah. That's the thing. They you need to get some guys who are like real big blue chippers because they have, they have the bones of a good roster. They just need to push it over the top. With and a if you're sitting at one stars. four and eighteen, that's three bangers. Right. You're gonna yeah. get if you get Saquon Barkley and Derwin James or like you know Saquon Barkley and. I mean, yeah. Well, if they pick Sam Darnold and uh, Minka Fitzpatrick or Sam Darnold and Saquon Barkley. Apparently they're look not, what we did with two picks. Apparently they're not going to pick Josh Rosen because Josh Rosen is an atheist. And I don't know. Those are There's some weird Josh Rosen rumors out there, man. Like, all right, man. If you want like more of a statistical analysis side of it, there's some statistical reasons and injury reasons to not like Josh Rosen. Yeah, but the Twitter one, Twitterverse seems to think it's all personality related. That is because <laughs> you are listening to Twitter. I'm, Tw- I mean, and Twitter listens to Jim. Jim Mora, and we're Seahawks fans. We should know better than to listen to Jim Mora. These are national level writers. I mean, okay, like so's Mel Kiper. Yeah, Mel Kiper. If he had a draft tidbit like that, as opposed to I think this guy's the best. That's all Mel Kiper does is he just says what his opinion is. It's different than when it's like Schechter says like he heard this or you know stuff like that is different. So that's the other thing that could be really interesting is. you know, there's five or six quarterbacks are going. It depends on if somebody wants to dive for Rudolph. The longer we go in, the more it looks like Lamar Jackson's a lock for a first-round pick, which he better be. Yeah, he if could. if Josh Allen's getting a first-round nod in the top five and Jackson slides out of the top 20, that's a joke. Hey, man, those Wonderlick tests came out, and I don't know if you saw, but Josh Allen was the best quarterback, and Lamar Jackson was the worst. Well, I could tell you what Josh Allen can Wonderlick. Uh, okay. Here's the thing about Kevin. Lamar ja- Jackson is the the wonder the wonderlick test is something that you could definitely practice for and get better at and Lamar and that's your agent's job right your agent's like gonna yep. try to make you money and Lamar Jackson's agent is his mom so that's probably a big reason why he didn't do so good on that thing you know what he's really good at though his agent playing probably, football his agent's probably really good at cooking uh, his favorite dinners. <laughs> She probably knows all of his. Uh, She's his number one fan. Favorite movies. <laughs> She's number one fan. Uh, now he doesn't have to buy her a house. She can just buy it herself with her agent fee. Yeah. Nobody. Uh, nobody loves him like his agent. That's true. That's true. <laughs> his agent says he's the handsomest boy in the he's draft. The handsomest boy in the draft. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, can we do this every week until he retires, please? Uh, okay. So. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, though. The general consensus that we're not picking at 18 is starting to really solidify for yeah, me. Unless They're... we get a really high talent there. If we feel like we're getting like a top 10, top 12 pick at 18, I think they pull the trigger. But I just have a feeling there's going to be someone at the top of the second round that we want anyway, like Isaiah Wynn or Darius. I don't know how you say his last name. Geis. Juice Geis. Okay. Darius guys like one of those guys is going to fall to the top of the second round because there's too many of them at the positions we need there's too many guys that seem pretty decent and like are in our range that are some of them are going to be in the second round yeah I agree um so that that's kind of where I'm where I'm at there I mean some a two are, and a three is a lot of value. some people are saying like one of these really good cornerbacks is going to fall out of the first round I agree so like that that's another thing too we could just snag one of those guys at the top of the second round uh so just to tease it for next week I'm going to be taking a dive on um Seahawks draft there's three positions that were really specific about physical measurements and who we like to pick up. And with the draft coming up on the 26th, we have about three weeks left. So next week is my spring break, which means that on uh, Monday or Tuesday, I can actually sit and have time to uh, deep dive that. So I'm going to be pulling out the prospects at running back, cornerback, and offensive line that really line up well with the Seahawks' past draft philosophy. And we'll start talking about not just kind of who we like, but who the Seahawks seem likely to be seeking out. 
All right, let's go. Speaking of our Seahawks defensive players, we're going to go a little, dig a little bit into the roster here. Here we go. So, Oh, wait, we forgot to talk about the best stories around the NFL. Um, Tony Romo got nominated for an Emmy. Uh, Jim Kelly had <laughs> successful cancer surgery. And uh, Market King the, was released. The new targeting rule. Nobody knows how it's going to be applied. All right, here we go. I don't care. None of these stories mattered to me. Like I thought this was like a, the slowest NFL news week. It was oh, very I do boring. want to point out uh, for people trying to do the math on it. So the Patriots traded a third round pick to and uh to move from the thirty second pick in twenty seventeen to the twenty third pick in twenty eighteen in the first round. They picked up a sixth round pick and they got a year of Brandon Cooks. Man, f- fuck the hoodie. Yeah, they, they that guy. That guy does just stuff runs that's everything. Really good at football. I like. I hate him. I respect the hell out of him, though. Yeah, they they did a really good job getting rid of that Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks. Here's another thing too: is just like, like Sam, such a value add. Just like Sammy Watkins, Brandon Cooks is going to be leaving the Rams after this season. So that's I, a fact. I, I don't understand what they're doing. They're, they're going all in. It for was one a very. Year. It was a very um, Seahawks trading for Percy Harvin type move, which <laughs> I disagreed with that at the time, and I disagree with this. Okay. Uh, I disagree with you for one reason. What? Uh, Brandon Cooks actually plays wide receiver. Ooh. Positionless football, Kevin. That's the new thing. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's that's why um, what's the running back uh, Dion Dion Lewis is so good. Okay, let's <laughs> start Def- defensive lineman. This is the position group I think is the most solidified. I don't think the Seahawks feel they need to make much moves here unless something really falls into their lap, like a like a top top tier talent. So uh, your starting defensive line opening day will probably be Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, Naz Jones, and Dion Jordan. If Cliff Averweather gets healthy, he will be involved in the defensive end rotation along with Brandon Jackson, Marcus Smith, and Quinton Jefferson. The defensive tackles backing up Jaron and Naz Jones will be Shamar Steven, Tom Johnson, Garrison Smith, Malik McDowell, and getting cut and put on the practice squad will be Noble Nwachuku. Um So do you guys have any strong opinions, uh, sleepers in this group, position group, uh, guys you really like, or is... Do you, and do you agree with me that this is pretty much set in stone at this point? Uh, I like that it that it could be set in stone. Naz Jones is like the guy I circle because he had such a great season last year. Um, as a rookie. As a rookie. Which is hard. Very, I should say, uh, very impressive. Very unexpected. He's very athletic. <clears throat> he's athletic and he's he's huge. Uh, I feel like Naz Jones is our, our breakout starter circle. That's my guy that I like on this team. On this, on this side of the defense, I should say. All right, Kevin? I think we're stacked at defensive tackle. Jaron Reed and Naz Jones are both studs, in my opinion. Um, I think Frank Clark... Uh, the one thing I think is that we're likely to probably add another defensive end for rotation depth. I think if Cliff Averill's not healthy... Um, I feel like we have... Deion Jordan's not super big as far as defensive ends go. He's slight. He's tall, but he's not thick. He's, exactly. He's and so, and Marcus Smith is not huge either. And so I feel like having Clark, Jordan, and Smith as our primary rotation guys, either Quinton Jefferson needs to step up because Brandon Jackson's just very okay. So I could and see... Brandon Jackson's not super big either. He's like 270 pounds. Right. And so I could see maybe if somebody gets cut, adding a guy or maybe that's somebody we pick up a defensive end in the draft or like maybe a tweener guy somebody that we think could maybe play like a poor man's michael bennett um i could see us doing something like that just to add a little bit more depth to that line just because of the body types and the question marks around averill and mcdowell do you either one of you guys see that cliff averill playing at all next year Next year. Cliff Averill says he's going to play, and he has not led me astray yet. I'm going to believe in Cliff if Cliff believes in Cliff. I, he's one of my favorite Seahawks, so I'd really love to see him come back. It, realistically, it's a tough injury to come back from. Yeah, my head says no, but my heart says please. Um, I love Marcus Smith. Mike. I just want to throw this out there. Uh, what we saw Dion Jordan like making the leap, I think we're going to see Marcus Smith make the leap, the same leap this year. There's and, a lot of reasons to believe it, and too. It's, uh, it's going to be that, – that ter- they are going to terrorize – uh, defensive lines on third downs. Obvious passing situations with both of those guys on the field is going to be pretty gross. Um, Bar- Barke- uh, uh, really quickly, okay. uh, just on uh, Marcus Smith, and I just want to grab this real quick. Um, Marcus Smith had two and a half sacks last season. Uh, he had the quietest two and a half sacks for a guy who barely played. So this is a guy who's like kind of outside linebacker sized. He's added a little bit of positive weight. I really agree with you strongly, Nate. 
I think that Deion Jordan is going to play the whole season like he played the last six games. And I 100% agree that I could see Marcus Smith really busting out. Marcus Smith was a first-team All-ACC Conference Defensive Player of the Year when he went to Louisville. First-round pick. He was a first-round pick right at the end of the first round. A lot of teams couldn't figure out what position he would play in the NFL, which was part of the problem. They were like, "This is, he's a tweener. He's a tweener in terms of size between linebacker and defensive end. But that's true of another guy that we're about to talk about in our linebacker group, which is Barkevius Mingo. So these are linebacker, four linebackers on our roster right now. That's it. DJ Alexander, Barkevius Mingo, Bobby Wagner, and KJ Wright. Um, it's obvious the team will add some kind of positional depth here. Uh, so these guys are all locks to make the roster in different ways, right? DJ Alexander is a special teams wizard. He, uh, he and a be, functional backup outside he, linebacker in a pinch. He, he will be he will be fine. He's ready to go. He has the athleticism to play. Just doesn't he over pursues? He's he reminds me of um who was that guy we drafted in the beginning of the uh, Aaron Curry where like he you see the athleticism and you're like this guy could be really good but he just doesn't have whatever it takes to be a functional NFL linebacker. Yeah. Um, Mingo will play probably some down lineman but a lot of outside linebacker when we play three line he'll he'll jump back and forth kind of like Irvin did. Um, but he won't hurt your brain like when Will Hoyt got a bunch of snaps. Yeah, he'll catch us. He'll catch some snaps at both spots. Um, probably more of a linebacker on the Seahawks, to be honest with you. Yeah, and he's actually a pretty good uh, pass coverage guy. Um, he uses athleticism really well. And then Bobby and KJ are going to make the team. This is an obvious spot where the team could add someone in the draft. Uh, so I expect them to, to use like a fifth round pick to kind of fill out the linebackers of the roster. But let's be honest: if KJ or Bobby get hurt, it's a disaster. So the team is relying on both those guys to stay healthy. We're not going to be fit backfilling with someone who could actually play. Yeah, the big thing is uh, this is a really deep draft at inside linebacker. And um, a lot of the inside linebackers are quicker guys. So these are guys who are value adds at special teams. Because when you're a quicker linebacker, that means that you can really cover a lot of the field. And the other kind of cool thing is if we got like Oren Burks or Sean Deonic Hamilton or Dorian O'Daniel, um, those are all guys who are fast enough to play on the outside without hurting you. Like they can physically handle it, like what we're saying about Alexander. The question becomes like, you know, how well they can do in the role. So I think this is actually a pretty good draft to need a guy in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, it was, it's, there, there will be a depth signing here at, or depth draft pick at some there point. There has to be. We you're just not, don't have enough bodies there. You're not, going, you're not going into the season with four linebackers unless they're converting one of these safeties to linebackers, which, which is we have definitely enough. possible. Um, Can Mike Tyson play linebacker? No. I don't think so. Can Mike Tyson play an NFL position? <laughs> this um, is the right, question. Let's go to cornerbacks. There are uh, six cornerbacks on the Seahawks roster right now. Nico Thorpe, DeAndre Elliott, Shaquille Griffin, Mike Tyson, Alex Carter, and Justin Coleman. Um, we all agree that this is one position where the team almost absolutely has to add someone. Do you, are we all in agreement on that? Do you guys we are this? lacking one starting corner. There's no two ways about it. Yeah. You just named Shaquille Griffin and a bunch of backups. Yeah, Nico Thorpe and DeAndre Elliott both, I think, could like play in a pinch, but neither of them are starting quality cornerbacks. So unless the team sees Tedrick Thompson as like a future corner, which from from hearing John Schneider's interviews, we're going to talk about safeties in a second, he does not see Tedrick Thompson as a future cornerback. He sees him as a the future starting safety of the Seahawks. Hey, he's a nickel guy at the best if he's playing corner. He just doesn't have the straight line speed. He will get beat. Yeah. You put a guy like Brandon Cooks or Sammy Watkins on him, and you're sitting there going, well, this is going to be a yeah. really big uh, catch on a go route. Tedrick Thompson's really good in a zone. Like... He just his short area quickness is great. Yeah, he he just and he takes really good angles. He's um, like non-bully Brandon Browner, but like he'll just get beat on routes. Like if someone runs a really good route, he'll get beat. Yeah, he's like a four six forty guy. It's just the way it is. Um, so then, you can't coach speed, Nathan. <laughs> then, <laughs> so we so we all agree at a cornerback. If the Seahawks don't add a cornerback in the draft, we're probably looking at Byron Maxwell's coming back. Uh, or seems, both. That seems to be the backup plan for the Seahawks. I think, like Kevin said, both. But I'd say this is probably our one or two pick in the draft. Like nope. one of our really. You don't think so? Mm-mm. I know that you like to circle like the talent there, but Seahawks will still make make a surprise move. And Shaquille I've, Griffin, third round. 
Like, no, how many? What? What first and second round corners have we picked in the PCGS era? It doesn't mean anything. I can see them doing this with our first or second. Pick. I mean, I can see them doing it. And again, if it's like just an undeniable talent, but that's not who this team goes after. Shaq Griffin was a really big investment for them at corner. That's a third round pick. I just think that if you look, it's going to be like one of the Virginia Tech kids or someone like that. In I could see that being our fourth round pick. Or if we uh, do make the trade, it could be our third round pick. You really think they're going to go offensive line in the first round? Or I'm not first round, but in the first two picks? Honestly? Because that's not what they do either, Kevin. Uh, Jermaine Effetti. Okay. Jermaine Effetti. That's... I can I can name a lot more offensive linemen. Uh, John Carpenter. Saying, James, uh, James. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, we, draft a lot, right. we draft a lot of first round. Yes, but guess what? Don't We've reached at those picks. Yeah. And I don't oh, sure. see us I doing... Agree. Okay, I just don't see us doing that this year. I feel like they're happy. We talked about this last week that they're pretty set with their offensive line. I don't think they're going with that. I think every like all the fans out on the street will say, what are we going to do about this offensive line? Surprise, the offensive line is pretty much set. You used your producer Brett voice, but producer Brett was the most against adding <laughs> offensive linemen. Uh, but no, if th- I'm being completely honest, I could see us spending it on a defensive lineman would be the thing that people get mad about because uh, PCGS loves getting their defensive linemen. Another thing too is I don't if you say like we would you don't want us to reach for an offensive lineman there are borderline first round talents that are going to be available at the end of the if we trade out of the first round with the Browns like the rumor is the there will be borderline first round talents available at that point that are not in any way shape or form reaches Will Hernandez or Isaiah Wynn those guys are like those are they'll be properly valued at that point and that Uh, Frank Ragnow. like I agree though if we're at eighteen and everyone's gone and we're looking at like you know. If maybe maybe if like McGlinchey's there, but like if McGlinchey's gone, and like that's like the most middle first round. Maybe Connor Williams. It but, depends on how you evaluate him. But like the there's a chance. Like yeah, you're right. If we reach at 18, it's bad. I agree with you. Aaron. I'm just gonna say that you keep saying this is what PCJS does, but at the same time they also do things we don't expect. They do that every year, and I'm calling this year, and I could be wrong. Trust me, I know I could be wrong, but it would not surprise me this year. In fact, I'm just gonna say I expect us to take a cornerback with our first or second pick, not first or second round, just saying our first or second pick. Well, if we took it with our second pick, that'd be in the fourth round, which I totally agree with. If we trade back, I wouldn't be surprised if our first pick was in the third round. Sure. And if that's the case, again, like you're talking about, this is a really good corner draft. Yeah, there's good. And so we're either going to pick up somebody in the mid rounds who's really intriguing, or if we do end up spending a first round pick on a corner, we're going to get a damn good corner. Like, this yeah. is not quite as good as, like, getting, like, Lattimore or something, but there's some serious corner talent. Do you like last year's cornerback draft better or this year's? They're so different. Uh, they really are. This year's is deeper. Last year's is probably more talented. For Chocolate, the types chocolate of, and strawberry, very different, but both delicious. For the types of corners that we like, last year's draft was better. Yeah, there's only, like, there's only like four or five guys that are over six feet that I'm, like, really... Like, oh, yeah, that guy's really interesting. Then there's a lot of guys who I'm like, like, okay, that's a project. Like like the Virginia Tech guy, Brandon Faison. Like, I'm like, that's a that's a project. That's a mission. I like, want him so much. But he definitely fits the bill of like, what, what do you want him, Kevin, for? Uh, fifth round. Fifth round, yeah. He's, I'll he, take him all day in the fifth. He's like he's like a fourth, fifth round talent. And he will, he looks, if you look at his play and everything, he looks like his floor is browner and his ceiling is Sherman. The thing for me is is that like the best cornerback in this draft is Denzel Ward, and I'm not crazy about drafting. Denzel Ward's great. He's not what we use. I'm not draft. I'm crazy about drafting a 5'10 cornerback for the Seahawks. I mean, he has a, a over 40-inch vertical leap, so everyone talks about how he plays taller, but you also have to leave your feet to jump. And, yeah. and also, that, like, a big part of playing that's important. is jamming your guy at the that's line. And perfect. if you're 5'10", you're not jamming dudes as well. Yep. All right, last position group is safety. This year, this this year the Seahawks are bringing back Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Brad McDougal, Delano Hill, Tedrick Thompson, Akeem King, and Mo Alexander. Uh, what do you, what do you, Eric? What do you think about this safety group? Do you think they're ready to rock? <sighs> can I can I just say that I I wish we'd have got Eric Reed. I'm I feel like we haven't talked about that. Bad human all. being, Eric Reed. What's <laughs> bad? You mean bad human being, Eric Reed? Uh, maybe I don't know. I just feel like he said Eric Reed, not Alden Smith. Thank you, Kevin. Well, actually, I can't really speak either way. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just talking. I just think that isn't that why he didn't get signed because owners are afraid now. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I will say this: 
I'm just saying, Dan Marino took a knee all the time, <laughs> and no one ever said anything about about him. I the safety they... market is just like dried up right now. That's why we can't get anything. If we actually are trying to trade Earl Thomas, there's no, there's nothing out. We're no only, value. we're only getting value from him for Dallas, and Dallas knows from Dallas, and Dallas knows that and is not giving us what we want. Mm-hmm. I like our safeties. I like Earl Thomas. Let me check that. I love Earl Thomas. I really like the fact that Cam Chancellor is going to play this year because he needs to. I like that we reset Brandley McDougald. I feel like, are we set? More or less. But if there's a game changer at the position in the draft, if Eric Reed just is like, man, I, I have to play for Seattle and I will do anything, then then yes, bring those uh, two type players aboard. Otherwise, I think we're pretty much set. As long as Trey Boston isn't signed, like Eric Reed can't complain too much because Trey Boston is just like, in my opinion, directly better Eric Reed. Those are two really good safeties. I just it's don't understand why neither job. of them are signed. Like, why? Why did, Boston makes makes less sense? Why did that he's not Why did we sign like Raphael Bush? For, if you're Tampa Bay, then you should just sign both of them. I mean, they got Keith Tandy, Kevin. Yep. You know what? You know what the uh, you know what the deep backfield is called? Candyland. Boo. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, I like the I like the safety group quite a bit. Tedrick Thompson, Delano Hill. They both should develop some, take leap four. We spent middle round draft picks on those guys so they, Last could, start year. To, they, so they could start to step into roles this year. Uh, Brad McDougald is an excellent depth signing. He can easily start at both positions. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the safety group. Uh, Mo Alexander is a nice depth signing where like, if one of these guys doesn't pan out or someone gets hurt, he's uh, he's like a passable fill-in. I forgot that we got him. I was I was happy enough with that signing. And Akeem King is going to get cut. So, yep. uh, we brought him in to get waived. I would almost argue that this is a more settled position group than the defensive line, just because uh, this front office and this coaching staff loves to shuffle around and play with the defensive line. I feel like exactly what you said is true. They spent a couple of picks last year on safeties to kind of sure up the position moving forward. I think that was what they planned to spend their assets on. And I don't think they've seen anything to tell them that that wasn't a good expenditure. I I don't know between hot take and cold take where this falls, but with our linebacker shortage and we have Earl, we have McDougald, we have Hill and Thompson stepping up. Do you think with Cam and not that his injury is speed related, do you think Cam would fit more into a linebacker role? Possibly this season. Cam already lines up in the place on a field of linebacker. Exactly, he does. So that's what I'm saying. Are we? The bigger question is, are we going to put McDougal on the field at the same time? Exactly. Or Tedrick Thompson or whatever. Yes, that's that's where I'm going. Uh, I sounded like a jackass making that prediction every single week of the season last season. So I'm not going to do it anymore. (laughs) But if Barcavius Mingo shifts down to defensive end for an obvious passing down on third down, and we bring in a third safety, I think that's really smart. But I'm not going to make any more predictions about that because I'm tired of being wrong. Uh, let me talk about Delano, hope, Delano Hill. Uh, Delano Hill could be like future Cam Chancellor. He's a big dude. He's six one and well over two hundred pounds. He he he's a hitter and he's zone aware. He's a good he's a good player. Like I would be excited to see Delano Hill. You know, if Cam Chancellor's not ready to go, I would like to see him try to step up and play some. It'd be nice to see one of the young kids really. Compete. Compete for a job, right? Always compete. It's going to be really cool to watch both of those safeties in um, uh, the preseason and see kind of where they're at. Uh, Them uh, and Marcus Smith are the three players on defense I'm most excited to see in the preseason because those are the three I could see kind of uh, tearing it off from the very beginning. Where do you fall on Nico Thorpe? We're kind of... Great special teamer. We went by this uh, position group really quickly. Uh, He's 29 years old. If he was going to be a starting cornerback in the NFL, it already would have happened. That's kind of how I feel, too. Do you remember a league of their own? And they're going through and they're doing like the introductions <laughs> yeah, for all the different ball players. I'm and listening, Kevin. And they're like, uh, you know, so and so, what a looker. And then Marla Hooch. Yeah. Boy, can she hit. That's Nico Thorpe at cornerback, man. You look at all these corners and you're like, that guy can cover. That guy's good in the slot. Nico Thorpe. Boy, is he good at special teams. Yeah. That's, I I would say DeAndre Elliott has a has a better if we end up striking out on he has more coverage skills Elliott yeah. is going to be the starting cornerback not Thorpe that's that's my uh, that's with my, with Nico Thorpe on this team when you were li- listing members of the of the, of the possible Legion of Boom I was like 
Nico Thorpe, where are you? If Nico, I would put Nico Thorpe and Mike Tyson on equal footing really? for the outside corner job. Yeah, they're significantly behind. I would say DeAndre both. They have Elliott. an equal chance. I, I guess I have I have zero faith in both. So, like you, I said, they it. have equal chance. You nailed it, Eric. Uh, all right. So that pretty much sums it up. Our predictions for defense are basically that. The Seahawks will spend a late-round draft pick on linebacker and then a defensive lineman if it's the opportunity presents itself and that we need to get a cornerback. So uh, that's that. Any, any uh, parting thoughts before I go to the money zone, Eric? No, man. You got Kevin, it. you ready for the money zone? Let's do it. All right. So if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, it's easy to do so. You just head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. You can give us actual literal money. There are 13 members of the Legion of Boom. Uh, wait, that's – that's no, there's not. There's 13 members of the Seahawks Nest. Oh, no, 14. We got a new one. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even look. Uh, Welcome, Nico Thorpe. <laughs> oh, if, it, if it's Nico Thorpe, I'm going to say, Nico, you're the best special teamer. No, Mirza. Mirza, thank you for your support. Uh, we got Augustine, Keith, Jose, Lu- oh wait, that person deleted their pledge. Never mind. Get out of here. Arthur, oh, Arthur Uribe, Frank. Uh, so yeah, just head on over there. Um, in the in the actual season, uh, every week you get a Seahawks Picks podcast. You get holiday specials. Um, in the offseason, post-draft analysis goes in here. So it will get better once. Yeah, expect to start seeing content in three weeks. Like the... Post draft stuff all goes in here, so that it'll pick back up. This is kind of the off season for the uh, Patreon from about February to draft is the off season. To be to be completely honest, uh, it's kind of amazing we're pulling enough news to do an actual podcast. Yeah, and but hey, let's be honest, folks. We're at our we're getting close to our goal thirty eight out of a hundred dollars a month. Wow, you guys are really bringing it. Like if we get a hundred dollars per month, we're gonna go live on the internet, and I'm gonna do a quiz contest, and I'm gonna buy a bunch of prizes. So. Get you have no idea how much Nathan hyped. will go I way love, beyond what he should for this. I love trivia. You guys should want to get there. I love quiz. He does. I will. It will be the Brett Hancock Memorial Seahawks quiz competition. I need to send out some stickers, man. We they, need to do some. We need uh, to mail some stickers. What about a Hawks Nest Hot Ones? I know you're already doing other hot ones. Ooh, ooh, I could do that. We do that. It's 120 dollars for all the hot sauces, though. I did the. Well, math. that's only one month and one week. If we get to the hundred dollars. Jeez. <laughs> or forty dollars each. Yeah. Uh, also, I will we could say do a Seahawks already, themed escape room. I've already spent a cup, maybe several hundreds of dollars on stuff for the podcast. <laughs> uh, so I'm a little behind on that still. All right. So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and head over to. Uh, oh wait, what if you don't have money? What if you're just dead broke and you like want to support the podcast another way? Well, you can go to iTunes, give us a five star review. You can head over to your favorite podcast app like Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podcast Republic. Google Play Store. We're everywhere now. Every if if you can't find this podcast somewhere, please let me know and I'll add it. So it's the other week, uh, Cody told me that he couldn't find us on the Google Play Store. Ten minutes later, I was registered in the Google Play Store. I just didn't even know I had to do an extra step for that. So if, if there's some podcast app you can't find us on, let me know. It's easy, pretty easy for me to register stuff on those apps. Uh, and then uh, yeah, that's it. That's all. That's all. Oh oh, oh Facebook.com/slash/theseahawksnest, Twitter.com/slash/theseahawksnest. Uh, I'm getting pretty good at remembering all this stuff. And we're getting off the ground. Uh, Nathan oh, and yeah. also Eric are uh, getting the Snapchat going. No, no, Instagram. Instagram, whatever. It's all the same thing. Yeah, it's all it's, it's all it's all what those Utes are doing. Right? I'm, I'm an old man. Yeah, you, I was <laughs> going to say. I don't think you guys understand how old I am. Yeah, I'm very old. I didn't old. until you said that. We're saving. <laughs> we're sa- I'm like, what I'm doing right now is I'm saving pictures that I think I would like to post on it. And we're going to, I'm going to wait till it gets closer to the so season. So come support yeah, us exactly. on DOS interface. <laughs> Face yeah, and, I was gonna uh, say you can the see, various interwebs. You can follow our no pictures. You can right follow now. us on IRC. Oh jeez, um. Kevin's Kevin's gonna get out. His, tell us his ICQ number. It's only four. <laughs> di- it's only four digits. Uh, okay, so in honor of the movie Tomb Raider coming out, I thought it'd be fun if we went over video game movies because they are all universally shit. Okay, so. <laughs> Well, that's not true. They're, some of them are... are no, they're all uh, shit. We just happen say, to like we, some of the shit. Okay, fine. It's Fifty Shades of Brown when it comes to video <laughs> game movies. Fact. So, uh, the, there have been, to date, 33 movies that have been made that are based on original... Uh, they're originally video games. They were video games before they were movies. Okay? That means that anything that's a, like I was a comic first doesn't count. Anything, None of that. It had to be the original... IP was a movie. We read. I read them off to the podcast members before the podcast started. I'm not going to do that to the listener. Uh, so we have some movies in mind. So we're going to start with this. What is, to you, the worst 
super or sorry video game movie of all time eric ron or one that you can do it this too you could say one that you personally really hate uh <laughs> go ahead eric what's your what's your hated video okay game i'm gonna movie? go i'm gonna go outside the box on this one because there's so many to hate on i'm gonna go with resident evil any of them the entire franchise because every year or every six months there is a resident evil movie and i just keep thinking who is watching this crap china China. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm uh, dead serious. Raise the tariffs. There's uh, a reason why the tariff wasn't against I will say this. Those movies, if you're willing to just shut your brain off, they're not that bad. But if you try to no think deal. about... A ringing endorsement no from <laughs> Nathan. If you try to think about like, hey, what's the plot of this movie? Like, what's actually happening? What the hell it's, am I watching? It's just All like, bad questions. It falls apart so, so quickly. Uh, Kevin, what's your, uh, what's your brownest brown spot so uh a movie that i knew was going to be terrible prior to watching it but had to watch because my brother and i wasted many hours playing the video game um this is a video game very fun two-player game uh those side-scrolling beat-em-ups are always good 1994's double dragon maybe one of the worst movies i've ever spent any amount of time watching i've watched that movie all the way through i've actually watched it more than once oh kevin um, this movie sucks. Uh, it has Alyssa Milano in it. That's your I'm star guessing power. that's why it was made. Uh, this movie, I, I would, I would just like to say once again, this movie sucks. You, who are the the two main characters? Are played That'd by be two Jimmy guys Lee you, and Billy Lee. You no, never no, 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 no. Them. One of the actors is Scott Wolf. I know that yep. for a fact. Do you know how I know that? Why? Scott Wolf's brother is on a podcast I listen to often, and he always brings up that his brother was in the Double Dragon <laughs> movie. Uh, this movie is every poorly strung together trope you could possibly think of. Um, it's it's really racist. Um, against people from Asia, this, this movie this movie sucks. It's a really bad movie. Want me to tell you something that I felt about it's this movie? It's kind of funny, drunk. Kevin, want to hear a thing about this movie? Sure. Uh, that I think is weird is that this. It's like they. It was uh, made. It's like they thought like, hey, what if we made like Big Trouble in Little China, a family movie but bad? It was <laughs> more like, what if we took the Three Ninjas movies? Which are about the little, to adult the little them kids, up a little bit. and then just like pretended they were adults. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like they're it's like a very kiddie take on everything. Yeah, it's it's friggin' awful. It's it is like they dropped two adults in a kung fu movie that was supposed to star children. And yeah, it's this movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the classic guys. I'm gonna go with the classic. It made uh, 20.9 million dollars in the box office, and Bob Hoskins <laughs> called it his life's biggest regret. That's right. It's the Super Mario Brothers movie. My favorite fact about the Super Mario Brothers movie: Do the movie, Mario swing your arms from side to side? No, that's the that's the that's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which was actually cartoon, good in which, a bad way, <laughs> which was funny. Uh, this doesn't have any redeeming qualities. No. Here's my favorite thing about this is that um, they had a script meeting and Richard Joffe meets with some of the Japanese people from Nintendo. They make they present what they want to do an initial draft of the script. They say, go ahead. They start meeting with directors. Harold Ramis is like, I love Mario. I got to meet with this. I got to see if I can get involved. He goes, he took a meeting, and then after the meeting, he's like, nope, not doing that. That's not what's happening. So... Um, the script was always changing throughout production. Uh, Bob Hoskins and Dennis Hopper like said they never knew what was going to happen. Uh, the directors got fired mul- like right at the end of the shoot, and they just said, you can leave. We're just going to make the rest of the movie without you. Uh, it's just just um, crazy, crazy stuff. And here- John Leguizamo tries so hard in this movie, too. Yeah, well, that's because that role was originally supposed to be played by Tom Hanks. This is this should tell you what. Yeah, they were they were trying really hard to uh, legendary Italian filmsman Tom Hanks. <laughs> no way, no way. This it, this movie looks like Mario had a fever dream while getting sick from bad pasta. It was supposed to be filmed in five weeks. They didn't finish it for seventeen. Like that. There's oh, that so sounds m- like torture. There's so many things that are just like super super terrible about this movie and uh well you know there it is the super mario brothers film all right now we're gonna think about let's think about these movies again let's think about a different light these movies some of these movies have redeeming qualities what's one of what's one superhero movie and i already kind of gave a little video game movie video game movie sorry 
I already gave a little pitch for Resident Evil. Like, I don't think it's that bad. But what's this, what's a what's a video game movie that you think it's not so bad? It, it you know what? It, I I can totally watch this movie. Eric, oh, what's your what's your favorite? You can my ha- favorite. I don't really have one. I will say that uh, I saw the original Mortal Kombat movie. I knew it was going to be terrible, and I don't know. It's the most true to the source material. It's awful. It makes no sense. It has really bad acting. And really bad everything. Yeah, it's terrible. But Oh, there's some really bad special effects. The line delivery is really bad. There's some there is one really cool Easter egg I just found out about recently. The voice for Scorpion in the movie is actually the voice from the video game. Ooh. So so that really interests no one inside or outside of this room, but now you know. Kevin What's your favorite video game movie? The more you learn. I was going G.I. Joe. Um, mine's also Mortal Kombat. I'm not even really? going to try and dig through this oh, crap right. pile to find another one. Uh, you can say Mortal I'd Kombat find, 2 to be different. That would be untrue. That movie sucks. <laughs> um, that movie is... The more, I, I honestly hate the original Mortal Kombat movie. Like I think it's horrible, but the Mortal Kombat 2 movie is way worse. Uh, Mortal Kombat has a cool soundtrack, though. Mortal original. Kombat has a fun soundtrack. Uh, it's under two hours. That definitely goes in its favor. It should have been under 90 minutes. That would have been even better. I was going to say, is it not? Um, it's cheesy. It's, it's dumb and enjoyable. Uh, if you want me to say another one... Um, the first Silent Hill movie wasn't a tire fire. It was it was fine. It yep. was it could have been good. It was fine. The video game was better. All right, I'm gonna give you two that I thought were were it. Uh, let's go with uh, the Warcraft movie. I really like Warcraft the I game. Didn't see it. The, the uh, Warcraft lore is cool. And so like if you like if you know the Warcraft lore, it's kind of fun to watch like the Warcraft lore in a hundred million dollar action movie made for China. <laughs> because it's obviously made for China, man. That you the, the the script is not great. The, sometimes the effects are just like you're like this is not as good as it could be. But like in the story, they don't explain enough. But it like, made eleven billion dollars overseas, right? So it made four hundred thirty three million dollars at the box office worldwide because China, dude. So I'm into it. Like I I and I thought it wasn't that bad. Like I love I like the lore and I already knew the whole story. So for me, I'm just like watching a story I already know. My wife kept asking me questions and I knew all the answers. She's like, "Who's that guy?" I'm like, "Oh, that's." You know, that's all to win. You know, I'm just like when you watch it, stay to the end. uh, Sam Jackson comes out and tries to recruit them. Yeah, he tries to recruit Thrall into the into the Avengers. Wait Uh, wait for the next uh, Avengers movie and see if it. The other one I thought was okay was Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. It's like it's like it's like almost a good movie. It should have been good. Uh, I will say I will agree with both of you. Yeah, it's. It's like it's like you see individual parts that are really good, but Jake Gyllenhaal is a horrible choice to play the Prince of Persia. Let's just start with that. Uh, it's not uh, apparently there are no Middle Eastern actors. I didn't shut, know that. Shut up. And that's, that's <laughs> not a thing, I guess. And then, uh, and the, then because it's Bruckheimer, you know, it has all the kind of like swashbuckly fun of uh, Pirates of the Car- like a mediocre Pirates of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the new that Prince of Persia movie. I've heard the new Tomb Raider is good, and it might perhaps is the best uh, video game movie of all time. So I'm interested in seeing it. But that's a very low bar to cross. It has the highest Rotten Tomato score, 49%. That's the highest Rotten Tomato score of any video game movie ever. The highest Metacritic score, 58 for Mortal Kombat. And that's because someone it. gave it a 100, which makes me think that that person <laughs> should be taken out somewhere well, we gotta, we gotta and find like that just review. thrown into a, a river or something. That review is, oh, that's got to be gold. Uh, yeah, I agree. Prince of Persia has a lot of parts that should be cool, and there's some really interesting set pieces, but the whole movie just ends up really flat. That's my that's my problem. Like, It'll be like a really good scene, and then immediately there's something that like... Just takes all the air out of the tire. Right. It's it's a movie that's not full of moments, but it has a couple moments where you're like, oh. if you want to bring back football um, into this, it's kind of like watching Seattle last year. Kay. Oh, awesome twenty yard run! <laughs> Fuck holding penalty. Okay, Eric, I was wrong. It wasn't a hundred. It was ninety. It was a nine out of ten. And oh. Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times said it's a martial arts action adventure with wondrous special effects and witty production design. What? This it man does not speak for all Kevin. It effectively combines supernatural or terror, a mythical slay the dragon, save the princess Odyssey, and even a spiritual quest for self-knowledge. From what the, movie was this guy fr- watching? From the 21st August 1995 page F3 review in the Los Angeles Times. What movie did wait, you wait. see? What was the lowest review, just for comparison's sake? There's only 12 reviews. That's part of why it's the got lowest. The it's score. actually the 50. Uh, 
It's exactly what Kevin Thomas said, except it's all sarcastic. <laughs> it says that the, the it says the movie falls flat under an uninspired good versus evil plot and pathetically simple-minded dialogue. Oh, there you go. That's a more, more accurate description that's, of Mortal Kombat. I feel like there it is. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, but I like the music. Now, while Mortal Kombat might not have been like the uh, the move the video game adaptation of our dreams, let's talk about the video game adaptation of our dreams. Sorry, I couldn't help it. Because you're <laughs> a dream warrior. Oh. Eric, yes. You, if you could adapt any one video game into a movie for the film, who would, what movie what movie would you pick? And and who would star as the as the main character? Okay, so I'll, and I'll help you with that too because I've played a lot of video games. I'm probably gonna play whatever you said. So Eric, what's your video, what's your video game that you want to see and turn into a movie? Okay, I'm gonna go with one of my top two games of all time, and it's always a toss up. Uh, Metroid. Metroid, okay. And Super Metroid is one of the greatest so games ever made. we have the strong female protagonist, Samus Aran. Yes. Who is playing Samus in your dream adaptation you know, of Metroid? You know, I feel I should say Charlize Theron, but... Ooh, good one. She just, I feel like she, she is... We've seen she can be an action hero now, too. Yeah, right? and all, here's the thing. Uh, the best thing the about... coach from Glee? The original Metroid, you didn't know that the, the uh, protagonist of the story was a female until you beat the game, and she took off her helmet... And uh, she had long blonde hair. Also, you, you had like, to you had to what? beat it like in a certain amount of time too. Yes. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to know that. And if you beat it twice in a row with a certain amount of time, then uh, she was all, you could play the third time out of her armor. I knew all this as a kid because I did it. Anyway, um, I think that would be a really great story because the first you got to remember Metroid is called Metroid, and it's about a bounty hunter who goes. It's, she's not even a bounty hunter. She's she goes, like a, she goes to a planet to like destroy an alien. Then she's got to get off the planet before it explodes. Yes, and the alien is it's basically a parasite that will destroy the universe called a Metroid, and that is uh, that's I just think that's a really cool concept. Uh, you know, not naming the 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 franchise after the main character, and it's naming it after the threat. And I just think it'd be a really cool movie. What's a younger actor that could that could play Samus? Not too young, but not Charlize Theron old sorry Charlize oh, good uh, action actress how about yeah. like, we're just someone with chops how about like Anna Taylor Joy the lady from the Vivitch oh the uh, from the Vivitch the maybe Vivitch. if uh, she put on some muscle Haley Haley Lou Richardson from Edge of 17 I don't know who that is all right anyway I got some ideas that's but fine. I I agree all right Kevin what's your dream video game adaptation and who who would star in that video game for you okay so I'm gonna name a popular franchise that I think that if they actually did this, it would suck and I would hate it. Bob Hoskins is dead now. Remember but that. But I would really be... Okay. There's a really good Fallout movie that you could make. Sure. It would just have to not be based on any of the games. Just uh, like, it's or just a story in the world. Or you could steal the concept of waking up from the vault. And if you stole the concept of waking up in the vault, the person that I would love to see that with... Well, Andy Serkis. I think it could be because he's not like this huge guy, but he's like, you know, athletic enough looking that you could believe he could maybe pull something off. Um, he can play an everyman. Uh, I think that he would be an interesting cast in that. Again, it's open world video games always end up going horribly when they do it. So I don't have any faith that it gets done well, but I think you could do either a tale in fallout or like if you went back to the first games where you're kind of like a jet where the the character gets expelled from the vault i think you could do that story well all right my video game that should be made into a movie charles barkley's shut up and jam and it should start no i'm just kidding uh, so, so um, hate you forever <laughs> and it would star charles barkley no um so it's more serious that's a terrible idea so terrible why, who else would play charles barkley kevin you got a better idea? Shaq's kid. <laughs> okay. So uh, who's the guy out of LSU that just got drafted? He's bald and large. Uh, anyway, so so my um, my my video dream video game movie will probably be like the plot of Mass Effect 2 uh, made into a movie. And my Commander Shepard would probably have to be... This is tough, but I'm going to go with... Um, Wow, this is way more difficult than I thought. You got any ideas for Commander Shepard, Eric? I'm Lady sure Shepard or Male Shepard? I think it's 
probably gonna end up being a male shepherd. I don't know. I, I think that's what Hollywood would do. No, I'm not gonna say like Carl Urban, but someone like Carl Urban who is a good enough actor who's not going to steal the show with his well-known face. So Carl Urban. Okay, I can dig it. I just would want someone young. And I'm glad you went in Mass Effect because that's my other favorite video game yeah. series. I just think the the set, the plot of the second movie was very cinematic. The way you like go on that suicide mission at the end, you have to. It was very cinematic. Yeah, so. that's Mass Effect Two is like the pinnacle of modern gaming in my opinion. All right, well there we go. We wrap it up. There's some video. What video game adaptation would you want to see? Tweet me, won't you? <laughs> For Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronovec. I'm Nathan Santo, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks.